wanted to start this preamble with simply an expression of gratitude. David Horsiger, thank you so much for this introduction to Brian Lord. I just love talking to people, if you can tell. And, you know, every time I get on the show with these guests, I am so inspired by the work that they do and how they elevate others. And if you can learn in the process to gain their insights and inspiration by elevating you, we all rise together. So the work that he does, he is the founder, the CEO of Premier Speakers Bureau. And if you thought about it at face value, yep, he helps speakers to get speaking gigs. So that sounds like a transaction, but you know, he does it with everything that you would not expect a regular company to do. He is frictionless in his work. He thinks about everything to not only serve the client who is speaking, but the end consumer of that speaking event. He goes in and thinks about everything in order to create an experience. And so now I pause and think about yourself. Are you a transactional leader? that simply does the work to get a result? Or is the work that you do meant to create an experience, build trust, build relationships, build something better than simply a result? And that's the lesson in all of this. The reason why I bring on these amazing leaders, because it's not just what they do, but how they do it, often with a human-centric leadership component. And I bring these guests to you to elevate and inspire you. So let's listen to this amazing conversation with Brian Lord. I think the biggest thing is just listening to your clients and being ready for them. What are the things that they want to do? I mean, some of the short-term things are just being flexible, knowing what plan B is ahead of time. So working plan B, like if we need to go to a virtual event, how do we do that? So we put that into contracts. People hate surprises. And if you could plan for the surprises and put that in there and they say, oh, you've already thought of that. And they said, well, you know, this is your third event this year. This is our 1200th. And so it helps us if we know where things might be going. And that puts the event planner at ease. I think with us, that's one of the 10, you know, like after air traffic controller, I think event planners up there in one of the most stressful jobs in, in America. And if we can relieve some of that stress, like take away some of those worries. And so that's what we always try to do is make their lives easier and help them look good. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the drop-in CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, Join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I am grateful that you've joined us for another episode of the Drop In CEO podcast. Week after week, I get to speak to amazing CEOs, presidents, founders of their companies, and share their insights and inspiration with you. And if this resonates with you, please subscribe, rate, and review. Tell others about this show because we want to continue to bring you great programming. And a special thank you to everybody who has been downloading. The downloads have been going up each week, so I know this is providing value to you. 
And so this week, I have the great honor to be interviewing Brian Lord, and he is the president of Premier Speakers Bureau, host of the Beyond Speaking podcast and the free Virtual Friday series. And Brian has had the opportunity to serve America's top companies. Brian has been interviewed on BBC Radio, in the Wall Street Journal, and in the Corporate Incentive Tribal Magazine, and he was chosen as one of the Nashville's 40 Under 40 in 2015 by the Nashville Business Journal. And there is so much more to his resume. But first, I want to welcome you onto the show, Brian. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm I'm glad to be here. So for my listeners, special shout out to the network. I am grateful that David Horsiger, a great human, I've been on his podcast. He has been on mine and he shared Brian with me. He says, you got to interview this guy. He has so much value and offer and great stories. I listened to your interview as well with uh, David back in May. Truly amazing. I really enjoyed that. But first, I have to ask you a question. What is this about being a language nerd, uh, French, Spanish, <laughs> Eastern Arabic? What's that all about? Sure, sure. Well, I um, I really like them. A few years ago, I uh, maybe, I guess it's been seven or eight years ago, I was kind of this fantasy football addict. So I was in so many fantasy football leagues and like even picked up like hockey, which I don't know anything about in NASCAR, just just because I was getting into that. And so I made this rule for myself that I had to spend as much time learning languages as I did playing fantasy sports. And so I just went to the library and they have these Pimbler language CDs. And I already kind of knew French and a little bit of Spanish and had enjoyed that, you know, traveling and going to, you know, France and Haiti and being able to converse with people. And then I, so I just, every time I get in the car, I'm learning a language. And over time, I think I'm on my, now some of them, just to be clear, I'm not fluent in them. The kind of the four, three or four that I really focus on are French and Spanish, Italian and Arabic. But I've done little bits and pieces of, you know, Swahili. I got to go to Kenya on a mission trip and converse a little bit with people. But a lot of times it's really just, just if you know a few words in someone's language, when you talk to them, they treat you completely differently and you get to learn people so much better. So I think I'm like 20, 21 languages. So. I just started Dari. So just with everything going on in Afghanistan, I thought it'd be interesting to learn Dari in case I ever get to work with, you know, refugees or something from there. And so just to, you know, that's kind of the one I'm working on right now. But it's just you pick them up, you're free from the library for the most part, or you just if there's certain ones that you want to get really into, you can get the longer courses. And it's a lot of fun. And you get to know a lot of different people in, in different ways. So I have to ask you, the love of language, kudos, but how has it helped you at a particular time because you knew the language? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the one time I, I learned that I, I knew some of language but didn't, I was um, in college and went to Israel and I had heard all these people speaking different languages and I'm from Indiana. So you just speak English with a little bit, with like no accent, you know, like that's you go to Indiana because no one has an accent there. But someone was in desperate need and they spoke French and like, oh, Brian speaks French. And I learned that I could read French, but I couldn't speak it. And so uh, from that point, I mean, times when it's really helped me out is, you know, people are kind of shocked with if you're from Indiana or Tennessee and you can, you know, bridge that language gap and uh, just build relationships with people because so many people, they move here and they never, ever hear their own language outside of where it's spoken. So whether you're doing a business business deal and you just say a couple of words like welcome them their language when they come to the office, or if you're at a restaurant and you recognize someone's name, you say hello and they, oh, they, you're treated completely differently and they bring over the whole staff to talk to you. Or just if you ever happen to go 
on a, a mission trip or uh, you know a humanitarian type trip. You know, if you've been learning different languages and then one pops up, you know, Persian and Dari are really close. And so I'd already done some some you know Farsi Persian and and just hopped over to Dari and you can kind of you can talk to people. Um, you know, like I was on a back, bike ride and it's a doctor and he's from you know uh, from Iran originally and and we just chatted a little bit of intros like i'm not fluent at all just kind of know the basics and it's a completely different relationship and conversation after that point that that they know that you've appreciated and tried to learn a little bit about their language and culture so i so appreciate what you say about that And about three years ago we traveled all around europe and i'm somewhat fluent in french and when we got to nice france a beautiful place you have to visit there sometime i was conversing in french and when they realized that i was american and they said oh wow your french is really good and we <laughs> sincerely appreciate it because most americans will not take the time or effort and i found that i got completely different type of service they then said let's speak in english to to make the communication easier. So kudos to you for learning a language and understanding it is an important bridge between cultures. So that you are so multidimensional. And before we go into what you do as a leader, as an owner of your own business, I would love to know a little bit more about your not-for-profit work. You are on a board, you work in the non-board board for companies that uh, are seeking support for their nonprofits. I would love to know more about that work because I think it speaks to you as a leader and your values, both in your personal life, as well as bringing it into your business life. And then we'll go there shortly. So tell us more about that work and why you do it. Sure. Uh, about uh, 11 years or so ago, uh, we had, I guess maybe it's 11, 12, 13 years ago now, but you know, we had the, the, the big recession and business was really down. And I'd looked at, I realized I'd come to look at myself as more of a donor. And so my interaction with nonprofits was mainly from donations, which a lot of people do. I'm sure you do as well. And our industry went way down, you know, cut in half. And so I started asking myself the question, if I couldn't donate, how could I help nonprofits? And so I came up with four different, completely different ideas about how to make an impact in the world and uh, wrote out like a plan for each and, and put them to my friends and all of them said, you need to do this one. And the idea was the nonboard board, you know, if, and I'm sure you know this. Have you ever known someone who ran a nonprofit who had a really big heart, but not all the business skills? And so I'm sure somebody pops into your mind right there. And so we created a non-board board, which was uh, kind of like the board you wish you had. Uh, a lot of times, if you're an executive director, you feel like you're on an island, like, oh, you're the executive director, you should know how to do this. And you might be really good at fundraising, but you're kind of terrible at getting volunteers or writing up different business statements. And so they were able to network with other nonprofit leaders. We brought it, we had a monthly speaker series where we had different you know, legal experts or fundraising or marketing or uh, just questions that you have with nonprofits, like how do you get money in and out of countries without having to pay out a ton of bribes? You know, stuff that I would never have thought of. And these different people were doing, okay, this is what works with us when we're trying to get into this closed country. And, but hey, it also works in this Caribbean nation. And, um, you know, how do you help people without having to do certain things? So it, it's really interesting and uh, was really uh, beneficial to me. Uh, we had, you know, this great diverse group, people from really small nonprofits. Um, my heart is a lot of times for kids, helping kids in underdeveloped areas. But we had people from um, American Cancer Society or a divorce recovery group. And all these people I'd never thought of sort of came together. And my, my part was just kind of connecting people 
and helping get speakers and these experts did their expertise. You know, I might have C-level knowledge, like more than somebody, but I usually knew somebody who had A-level knowledge. And so we did that. And so that was, we did that for seven years. And and the board and I um, were in the process of adopting twins. And if you, you know, get to a certain age, twins are exhausting. I knew I couldn't uh, do that and run this. And all of us said, hey, we had We've had an incredible seven-year run. We've impacted a lot of different people. So we actually uh, closed it down. We had a big party. All these people came back. All these nonprofit leaders came back. And uh, we just kind of had a big party to celebrate our seven-year run. And it was, you know, all of us moved on to new and different things. And of course, the twins are <laughs> kind of our our nonprofit work right now, <laughs> just trying to keep them alive. You know, stop climbing ladders for my four-year-old son. He's kind of crazy um, in a good way. But we've had so much fun with that. But of course, you still continue to be involved and people still ask you, we learned a lot during that process. And it's cool to see so many people going out and affecting the world in uh, so many different ways. I hear you have an amazing story you want to share with us. Yeah, well, I think this is just really important with leaders and humility and understanding the impact you have. So for our very first board meeting for a non-board board, you know, it was this nonprofit and we handed out four dominoes. So each each board member got four dominoes. And the importance of that story is you line up the four dominoes. The one domino on one end never touches, never sees the other domino. But what you do here, this movement goes along and, and knocks over the others and creates momentum for the others. So we knew that we were just this little little group of people meeting in uh, just outside of Nashville. But we knew that we were working with these nonprofit leaders who worked all over the world. So these little ideas and these little things that we were talking about here ended up making a difference. And we, we calculated up all the different nonprofit leaders that were coming and meeting with us. And it was, uh, it was over, uh, I think, something like 12 million people. So these little ideas had this domino effect. And we had to be okay with those people, that the end people that were being helped all over the world were never, ever going to know about us. But that isn't, didn't matter. That's not what we were there to do. We were there to serve them, whether they knew us or not. So as a leader, it's really important to have that humility. And even if, you know, working at Premier Speakers, no one in those audiences are ever going to know who I am. You know, that's, it's not, but that's not what it is. I mean, our job is to serve those people who go on and they may know the event planner that I'm sure they know the CEO of the company that's being served and putting on the event. But we have to have that humility, but also that encouragement to know that no one will ever know who we are, but we're still having that impact on the world around us. And that speaks to integrity and so many other values, doing good work when nobody is looking or watching or knowing. So thank you so much for sharing that story. Thank you. So I am so glad that we started there because what that has done is let me understand who you are as a leader at the core. When we talked first about language, it was not only just the technical aspect of learning a language, but being able to connect with other cultures. And then when you talk about the nonprofit world, you talk about just understanding the cultures and the intricacies, the policies, the economics, and others in order to create meaningful connections. So now I understand who you are as a person. So now let's bring this into the work that you're doing. So I'd love to know more as you built this business, Premier Speaker Bureau. Tell us more about the growth of that company and your journey within the work that you're doing now and how does it impact people now? Sure, sure. Uh, so, I mean, Premier has been around for 27, 28 years now. Um, and I've been at Premier for almost 22 years. And so Premier, we're in Nashville, so almost everyone is out of the music industry. So I used to work at William Morris Agency, which is, I don't know if it still is, but it was the world's largest talent agency at the time. And uh, so this really, really massive international company. 
and uh, I was brought over to Premier. So I was an agent assistant there. So I did booking, but I wasn't, you know, the big time person there. And then Premier, I was brought over to help develop the corporate side. So we've done a lot with churches and nonprofits and, and some of the medical and education, but really there wasn't much in the corporate realm. So a lot of different bureaus specialize in different areas. And so I was brought over to help develop that. And so now Premier is probably, there are a lot of them are private companies, so you don't know exactly how big people are, but, uh, you know, third, fourth biggest bureau in the country. And, you know, we've, a lot of that's been through corporate. We have great IT people, great leadership. You know, Sean, I, I said, I, can I be on this podcast as I'm only the president? So Sean's the CEO. He does a great job. And then, uh, you know, we've got a great CIO, CFO. One of the great things about being on a team like this is you don't have to worry about anybody. Like I never have to worry about people doing their job. I, I have a cousin who's an executive at a company and she said that if she leaves for more than two hours, that people stop working. And it's just one of those things that I can imagine that like I could be gone two weeks. I'm not worried about anybody not doing something. And so I think our, a big part of our rise is just having the right people in the right places and the willingness to be innovative and willingness to not do things the way that everyone else has done them. And uh, not that you don't learn from what other companies do, but you, it's, it's kind of nice. Like we weren't in New York or DC. So we didn't feel like we had to be exactly like the places there. And, you know, through the dips, you know, like the recession in 2008, that time period, we actually grew a lot. And then this past year, a uh, year and a half, um, we obviously had a big dip. But, you know, we kept almost the entire company. A lot of companies were cut in half. And so for us, I think just being loyal to all the people as much as we could and then just coming back and really taking care of our clients. I mean, those things were really, really helped us through some difficult times. So what I love about what you just shared with me is it connects so much with a lot of things that I do. You talked about recently, you know, having just the right people in the right roles and giving them the freedom to do the work they do. Because so often as senior leaders, and by the way, the president is a pretty important job as well. <laughs> if you're the CEO, sometimes you're the right-hand person and bear a lot of burden on your shoulders. So kudos to you for ascending to that particular role. But so important, and I talk about this in the CEO's compass, is giving people the tools they need to be successful, asking them, do you have everything you need to succeed? Because ultimately, they're going to carry the business forward so that you can have that peace of mind and will focus on building the business and client relationships. So that's actually huge. And you've talked about what I really want to know is, as you grew with this business and you're at the present of the company now, what challenges did you have either in your leadership style or navigating to a place? You know, I'm not looking for failures, but what were some of those challenges and you grew as a leader through that process? Well, I think one of the things is that I realize that I'm different from other people and other people are different from me. I, for whatever reason, like kind of scary things and challenges. And and I remember reading about, you know, Winston Churchill during the bombing of London in the beginning of World War II. And he would almost get excited because he knew he was made for really difficult times. And not that you want to have really difficult times, but if you're kind of wired that way, it's okay to be excited about those things. And so when all this started to hit, I mean, I did not that there weren't some times where I wasn't worried or something like that, but I was also really excited. Like I knew that if we really changed, really took care of our clients from a market share standpoint, that we would come out ahead. And we were, things started happening in March. You know, we'd started our, you know, in April, we did a series of on courage. Like we had all this great content. We have the most 
courageous, amazing speakers in the world. Why not put that out there? And then we did 30 Days of Hope for May, um, where every day we put out a podcast where it was a story of hope. And so we were really just trying to encourage our people because we knew that there's the financial things, but our clients are going through a lot of emotional things as well. So we focused on courage in April. We did hope in May. And then um, that whole time we were teaching them this new language of virtual events. And like now it seems like we've been doing them forever, but virtual was a new thing to so many different people. So we, you know, we'd only booked, I think, four virtual events the year before. And then we went to a thousand. So it was one of those things where we had done, you know, a whole lot where so many different things changed. And luckily we were able to teach our clients how to do this new thing be with them the whole time. And then once they came back, we came back in a big way. And so this will be our second biggest year ever out of a, you know, for a 27, 28 year old company. And that's a, I mean, that's a really big, important thing. So what I really love about this one, I know I use the word love, but again, as we're listening here, my listeners get to listen as well. I'm, I'm so inspired because leaders like you don't come along that often. When I think about <laughs> where you focus, again, there is that top line growth in that revenue and managing your expenses, et cetera. But you were truly focused on the greater outcome of taking care of your clients. You've said that over and over again. And when you do that, you have been maintaining that loyalty. So when you come out of whatever the crisis or change of the environment is, they're going to stick by you and you're going to grow together. So I truly appreciate that as well. So as a leader, when did you feel like you arrived in your role? Because again, you've grown, but do you ever get to a place where you say, ah, oh, things are running on all cylinders. I feel like I'm where I need to be. And what did that feel like? I'm curious. <laughs> I don't know if you ever do that. Like, I always feel like there are things that I need to work on. Um, and I think it's maybe just how you're wired, you know, like something like the pandemic and pandemic response, those will bring out the best and worst in you. So for me, it's it's always harder with little detail things. Like I'm not the best detail person. I really have to lean on others to get all those things done, but you still have to be good at them. Whereas it was a good opportunity. You know, our company was really technology forward. We'd been doing video forever. My background, you know, that's one of the things I studied in college was hosting events. And and so I was one of the, like the TV guy in college and did all these different things. And so doing interviews and those things, we've been doing those since 2009 or so. And so for us to be on camera, companies already knew that we did a whole lot of video. And so those things really helped us out. I don't know from the arrival standpoint, I mean, it's it seems like we do things well and then things shift to us. We did this video called the four minute booking. So Premier had always been, you know, there's the story of the house. If you took away all the barriers, you can actually build a good sized house in four hours. And so we said it'd be kind of fun to figure out how fast we've booked our fastest event. We actually figured out from someone calling us up and saying, I want a speaker to having a fully executed contract. The client makes the offer, the speaker signs it, they get it back was four and a half minutes. So that's the fastest one we've ever done. So what happened in the recession was that uh, all these companies were making really short-term decisions. They were booking speakers instead of six months out, booking them two or three weeks out. And we were kind of perfectly primed for it, but we'd done all this work ahead of time to allow us to be there when it was. And I, we had great IT people, you know, great leadership from Dwayne, who's our founder, to put us in that point. So it seems like whenever these bad things come up, we're kind of ready for them in a way. But I don't know how that puts us, you know, it's kind of neat how we've kind of gotten where we were or where we are now. It's kind of always surprising. You're like, oh, okay, I'm glad we're already here. So 
The way you answer that was very interesting because I, again, being a growing business myself, wonder, when do you arrive? When do you feel like you have made it and you don't have to worry as much? But the way you framed it is like, well, we prepare ourselves to be as ready as we are. We feel pretty good, but we're agile enough when the landscape changes to be able to move forward. And that's a great strategy, being able to be agile like that. And again, the mantra of how can we serve our customers? And I love how you took the opportunity to pivot during the pandemic to educate and empathize and be a partner there because so often leaders say, oh, darn, this happened to me and take reactive measures, whereas you saw it as an opportunity. So I really, really appreciate that in your leadership as well as the team. But I'm curious now, the future. You talk about being ready for the future, but what are those things now, again, without giving too much away of your strategy that as you think about serving you know, clients for the future, what are some of the things that you guys are thinking and planning for as you want to make sure you sustain and grow your business regardless of the changing environment out there? Well, I think the biggest thing is just listening to your clients and being ready for them. What are the things that they want to do? You know, whether it's, I mean, some of the short-term things are just being flexible, knowing what plan B is ahead of time. So working plan B, like if we need to go to a virtual event, how do we do that? So we put that into contracts. People hate surprises. And if you could plan for the surprises and put that in there and they say, oh, you've already thought of that. And they said, well, you know, this is your third event this year. This is our 1200th. And so it helps us, you know, if we know, um, you know, where things might be going. And that puts the event planner at ease. I, I think with us, uh, that's one of the 10, you know, like after air traffic controller, I think event planners up there and one of the most stressful jobs in in America. And if we can relieve some of that stress, like take away some of those worries. Uh, and so that's what we always try to do is make their lives easier and help them look good. You know, with event planners, kind of this weird thing where they are somebody who is talking to people who are, I don't think anybody's like on the lowest rung of the ladder, but that might be a way that some others might put it all the way up to the CEO. And so event planners have this kind of weird thing where they can be almost everywhere, anywhere at any time and talking to anyone in a company. And we want to help them be educated, know what to do from the speaker standpoint of things. And uh, I love it when someone says they started off booking this entry level or, you know, sort of a, a lower fee speaker. And now they're booking this massive speaker and hanging out with the CEO all the time. And I feel like, hey, we help them uh, in a small way move up and be more successful and be looked upon better as, as part of their company and also helping that company get better too. What you've just shared with me is you are an enabler for creating a transformative experience ultimately for the end client. And so that's what really helps me to understand the essence. Again, Premier Speakers Bureau is one that provides speakers that provide some particular outcome or goal for a particular event. But you're the people behind the scenes that help with that experience as well as, and I talk about this in my book, the CEO's compass, the northernmost compass point is peace of mind. And when you have an event planner that has peace of mind, that you have their back and they don't have to worry about it, that's a beautiful work that you do. So I so appreciate that. So as we think about just up and coming leaders in, in organizations, people that are emerging leaders, people that have maybe recently arrived in a senior leader position, if you could think about any suggestions that they could do now in their leadership style based on your experience, what are a couple, three suggestions that they could action on now to be better prepared for the future and serve their clients? I would say within the company, don't look down on anyone. One of my pet peeves is I don't like when people are mean to the people who have a lower title 
than mine, that will never get points in my book. I, I love the story. Uh, I come from a medical family and the story of the doctor walking down the hallway and talking to the janitor and say, hey, you help save lives. You know, one of the things in hospitals that people don't know is that the cleanliness of the hospital is one of the main factors of people recovering, not getting sick from something else. And this was long before anything to do with COVID. I mean, that's always how it's been. The janitors have just as much or have a huge part in in saving people's lives. And everybody up and down a company, whether it's somebody answering the phone or sending out packages, uh, you know, all these different things are really, really important to a company's success. And so treat that entry-level person with just as much respect as you do with your peers that are CEOs or or presidents of other companies. I think just having respect for everybody is a really, really important thing to do uh, when you get there. And I think that speaks to who you are as a leader, both inside and outside of the company. You talk about understanding people's past or their culture. I talk about that in the book and trying to connect with them either emotionally, financially, economically, or with advisory, and then just how you run the business, because everybody has a contribution to the greater cause. So sincerely, sincerely appreciate that. So you've been an amazing guest. I know people are going to want to learn a little bit more about you (laughs) and Premier Speakers Bureau. How best if somebody wants to just check out uh, what you do and where you're at? How can they connect with you? Sure, sure. Well, uh, so premierspeakers.com, it's Premier with an E. And so premierspeakers.com, I'm on LinkedIn as well um, and host the Beyond Speaking podcast. Just like you, I love hearing, you know, different stories of people coming from different areas and, you know, how they make an impact uh, on the world and on people around them. So the Beyond Speaking podcast is another way too. All right. Well, I do wish you continued success with Premier Speakers Bureau as well as the podcast. And just know leaders like you, I sincerely appreciate because they start with these strong values first, connecting with people, elevating people. That's so aligned to the drop-in CEO brand far beyond simply the service to your clients. But again, I wish you continued success. You've been an amazing guest. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership navigate rapid transformation and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's compass assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.